podcast where we're taking a look back at the Power Rangers and the Japanese series that gave it its inspiration and footage, Super Sentai. I'm Natalie Bridgman. And I'm John McDonough. And you can support the show by going to patreon.com slash teachmesentai. John, what are we doing today? We are on the other side of the Pacific Ocean for the rest of the Green Candle story. This is episodes 30 and 35 of Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. And since we only have those two episodes, we're also going to talk a little bit about Power Ranger color taxonomy, etymology, something. Colors. We're going to talk about colors. (laughs) It's going to be fun. It'll be very fun. And these episodes are pretty fun. Unlike last episode, where I felt like we really had to tell you everything that's ever happened with Barai, in this episode, I feel the need to tell you nothing that's happened with Tommy. <laughs> yeah, it's fine. You got it. He, at one point, was evil and worked for Rita. That's it. You knew that. Should we just get into it? Yeah, let's go. Great. Rangers Season 1, Episode 34, The Green Candle, Part 1. It's time for the big dance, and Tommy is too nervous to ask Kimberly. Zack tells him to make his move. They're also doing karate. Zack teaches Tommy how to flirt by demonstrating with Angela, who is not interested. Bulk and Skull make fun of them and manage to accidentally do a front flip. Everyone should be more impressed, honestly. Anyway, Rita has a perfect plan. With the green candle, she can steal Tommy's powers. They just need to kidnap him. Rita uses a magical map to find the Green Ranger, which has never been a problem for her before. Tommy heads to the park to ask him out, and they get attacked by putties. The putties manage to seal Kimberly's morpher and kidnap Tommy. They bring him to the Dark Dimension. You know, that place where Jason was trapped during the Green with Evil special. Goldar tells him what's up. If Tommy doesn't agree to work with Rita before the green candle burns out, he will lose his powers, and they will return to Rita. Tommy tries to fight past Goldar to reach the candle, but can't. Finster makes a new monster, the Cyclops, who can change shape at will. At the command center, the others see the Dragonzord attacking Angel Grove and think that Rita must have regained control of it. Wait, JK. Zordon can tell that this is a fake. They worry it's a trap, but they have no choice but to morph and head into battle. Goldar is called to the fight too, so he wraps Tommy in the computer-generated chains and heads to the fight. The five OGs, yes, Kimberly too, they gave her the morpher back for some reason, fight Goldar and the putties. But the dragon sword is a bigger threat, so dinosaur time. They're struggling against the fake. Goldar goes back to taunt and fight Tommy. But Tommy grabs Goldar's sword and uses it to teleport away. He morphs because for some reason they didn't take his morpher either and summons the real Dragon Sword. But it takes a few tries since the candle is weakening his power. Dragon Sword hits Cyclops so hard that he can't hold his shape and must escape. But Tommy is still worried about the green candle. Trini thinks it's a trick, but Zordon reveals that Rita has magic wax and made Tommy touch it when he was under her spell. Tommy is going to lose his powers. To be continued. Episode 35, The Green Candle, Part 2. Zordon has a solution for the team. If they can get to the Dark Dimension and get the candle, they can prevent Rita from getting Tommy's powers. Jason volunteers because he has experience in that realm. Though Tommy wants to go himself, he realizes he needs help. And the other four are going to assist Jason in getting there, and Alpha and Billy have figured out a way to do so. It's go time. But Rita isn't just going to sit around. She's going to send Cyclops down to start a fight so that the Rangers have to deal with that and not the candle. While the team is setting up Billy's new teleportation device, Bulk and Skull spot them. They head over to confront the team and try to mess with the gadgets. Bulk ends up in a trash can rolling down a hill, so Skull runs after him. Unfortunately, Rita strikes. Cyclops is back, and Tommy decides to take him on alone so that the others can focus on the candle. Cyclops poses as a Megazord in the Dragonzord battle mode, but Tommy is able to hold him off at first. Still, it's not enough. Tommy jumps into the Dragonzord's cockpit to help in the fight. 
Jason finally goes through the portal, and Goldar is waiting for him. Tom is getting rocks, so Zordon decides to abort the mission. He sends Zack to bring Jason back. Jason doesn't want to give up, but it's not worth Tommy's life. They all morph and bring in the Megazord to support Tommy, form the Ultra Zord. Tommy's mysteriously not in the cockpit. They destroy Cyclops and head back to the command center just as the green candle burns out. Zordon reveals there's only one way to keep Rita from getting Tommy's power now, if Tommy gives his power coin to another ranger. He gives it to Jason because Kimberly is female, I assume. Tommy's time as a ranger is over, but they'll always be friends. Tommy unwinds with some Tai Chi in the park. Kimberly goes to find him and he kisses her and asks her to the dance. She does a classic Kimberly fake out before accepting. All is well in Angel Grove. Well. Hey. <laughs> the, uh, the difference between Power Rangers and Super Sentai is these episodes. Yeah. I mean, here's the thing. These episodes actually aren't bad. Like, these are good. No, they're pretty good. This yeah. is a good two-parter. Yeah, yeah. I had a good time. I didn't have the pacing issues that I felt in the G-Ranger episode. Yeah. Definitely a point in this column. They were fun. The stakes were high. It, like, it all works. It's just also silly and logic leaves the building a lot of the time. But, like, yeah. okay. <laughs> yeah, it's it's really weird because even though I think these are more, this is, like, a more successful version of this, almost, because of the way that the plot is paced out, it's just so goofy in comparison. Like, Baraya's dying and then there's this right right the emotional payoff <laughs> of Barai dying on the beach far so outweighs the emotional payoff of Tommy and Kimberly kissing in the park I don't want to jump the gun but that was like the weirdest thing for me that seems so funny we're, we're we'll get we're there let's get start there. at the beginning yeah. with boys doing karate and talking about girls yeah they sure this are is like the platonic ideal of what i love about power rangers to be honest is like the most surface level teen drama where every character's acting maybe two years younger than they are mm-hmm. and also actively doing karate at the same time pretty much that is power rangers it's perfect bulk and skull taunt them for the stupidest reasons and with the stupidest methodology yeah they're just like wow i can't believe you want a girl to go with you to the dance Bulk, like, pulls his coat up around his neck and then gets stuck. And then, like, they're trying to pull it out and they, like, flip over on top of themselves. Which, honestly, I don't know how you do that. I found it very impressive. Here's the thing. This is the big secret. Like, Bulk and Skull are actually, like, very physically talented individuals. They just don't really Mm -hmm. know how to, like, direct it. Yeah, you yeah. Know? But all of these scenes with the Angela cameo, with the <laughs> Zach doing like dance flirting, why not? Kicking boards while being like, I don't know if Kimberly likes me. Like, <laughs> it's just so silly and fun and goofy. And like this part where I was like, this, I do love this show, don't I? <laughs> yeah, yeah. This like felt to me most like how I felt reading the comics, which is how I felt when I first watched Power Rangers. So like, this is good. This is good. This is good. It's a very, very strong start. And then we get into the, like, mechanics of Rita's plan. And this is where I think this entire two-parter kind of breaks down if you look at any one moment too closely. Mm-hmm. And I don't when, when I say too closely, I mean for longer than, like, a passing glance. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's like, wait, what? Like, every piece <laughs> of this. Why does she have this green candle? I guess she made, she's had this wax this whole time. If so, why wait till now? Goldar is weirdly... A big part of this plan? (laughs) Yeah, he, like, is basically doing the plan for her. She made the candle, and, like, that's it. At this point in time, it is clear to me that the American production had a Goldar suit. Yes. And had the ability to shoot Goldar stuff, but had not cast another actress to play 
Rita. That doesn't come actually until like Mighty Morphin Power Rangers season three. So the candle looks very different. Obviously also in G-Ranger, Bandora is never holding the candle. It's always Clotho. So to get this whole candle thing going, they needed like a new prop candle. They needed to shoot new scenes. And the only villain they could arrange to have do that was Goldar is clearly what's happening. But it makes Goldar a like weirdly huge focus of these episodes. Yeah, he's in so much of it. His powers are in so much of it. Like it felt weird to like go back to that weird dimension or whatever the hidden dimension. It was like, wait, we're going back to this. Like I get why, but it just was like, okay. They built the set. They might as well use it. I know. (laughs) I just thought, like, while I was watching that fight scene between Tommy and Goldar, and, like, Tommy's, like, going all in on that fight or whatever, and I'm just like, wait, didn't Jason just, like, hide in the fog for hours? Yeah, it's very silly and very (laughs) unfunctional. They also, like, so in G-Ranger, Rita is doing this, like, scrying spell. Not Rita, it's Bandora in Mm -hmm. G-Ranger. This scrying spell to find the lapsless room. But they decided they needed to use that footage in a classic, like, I don't think you needed this shot. And so it's her looking for Tommy when like, you know everything they're doing and everything that's going on at all times. Yeah, like, she just uses her telescope. You never need to find. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's weird. It, again, this show, I don't know why they like feel sometimes so absolutely locked in to the clips that they use. To the weirdest things. There's, I cannot follow the logic ever. But episode gets going and there's like a very, very long putty fight with Kimberly and Tommy in the park. I am pro Tommy wants to break up the nerve to ask Kimberly to dance but gets interrupted by monsters. I am pro that. Yes. Okay. That's good. Putties being very strong (laughs) in an inexplicable (laughs) way. I'm kind of anti- It is kind of hard to believe because even when they're not morphed, there has been times where they've just taken care of the putties unmorphed and then morphed when they had to go somewhere else, basically. Into G-Ranger footage. Yeah, lol. I I do kind of like that, like, Tommy never thinks to morph and we made fun (laughs) of it so often. Kimberly instantly thinks to morph. And it's almost like, wait, did the writers know this? Was this an intentional choice by the writers about Tommy that he never wants to morph? honestly see that though because he's like so good at karate he's just like i don't really need to do that like that's just only when we're using the zords and it's like okay i guess yeah i guess yeah but they do like take kimberly's morpher they teleport away using goldar's sword which i didn't know had that power and i don't know if it ever has that power again Probably go not. off at no point in this scene do they surrender kimberly's morpher back to her correct i didn't like miss it no they don't yeah no we don't get that scene But she randomly has it later. And then one of the themes of this episode is Goldar, take the kill shot when you have the kill shot. Because (laughs) Kimberly is like on the ground, as far as we know, has no morpher. And he is there alone with her. And he just bounces. Yeah. You know, maybe like Goldar is just like a very, like, he only follows orders. He doesn't really think creatively. He's like, I'm here for Tommy. I'm not here for Kimberly. So. Yeah, I can only focus on one planet at a time, and this planet is the green candle. And I'm doing a lot of posturing because, like, I honestly don't get it. So, like, I just really need to stick to the script here. <laughs> it's like, I guess Rita has a plan. I don't really get it, but we'll just follow it to a T and hope that it makes a souffle in the end. You know what I mean? Yeah, 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 absolutely. Alternate take, maybe he's just, like, very honor-focused, and he's like, I would never kill an unarmed person. Ooh, I like that. I like that better. Maybe it's that. But he lets Kimberly survive. He gives her her morpher back. Go team. I guess he literally hands it to her. We just don't see that. 
Yes. Yeah, he must. <laughs> or they just leave it on the ground. Bad choices by all of Rita's goons. She should really be mad at them, and I bet she has a headache. But when we get to the Dark Dimension, every scene in the Dark Dimension this episode, I think, is, like, pretty dumb. Yeah. No argument here. <laughs> Tommy's attempts to fight Goldar in this scene are, like, they seem very sheepish. It, everything that happens in this room feels motivated by the plot and not by any sort of logic. The show's never motivated by logic, but you know, these particular get me. And Goldhart is doing so much like really annoying taunting. At least when Goldar was taunting and green with evil, it was kind of fun. Well, I think that is like the thing about this is like, it's literally this fight that apparently Goldar is like better. Like to be fair, Tommy is becoming weaker because of the candle. Like that's the whole conceit of this whole thing yes but yes. goldar is taunting tommy while tommy is like very unsuccessfully trying to fight him whatever and then i'm immediately brought back to what has now been what like 10 episodes ago i don't know some time has passed where jason was trapped in that room and like literally just waited out goldar and then i had this horrible thought i mean it's not horrible but it was just like very surprising to me like is jason smarter than tommy i think this Two-parter kind of definitively proves that the answer might be yes, which really puts Tommy's himboism in perspective. Like, wow, that's crazy. That's crazy. Because I don't, I and I don't know how powerful Goldar actually is. Like, it's kind of, it changes as the, the story needs it to be. But it was just, like, really weird to me that Tommy was being so unsuccessful when, like, Jason was at least outsmarting him. You know what I mean? Yes, very much so. Goldar also says the phrase telecommunications device in this scene, which I think is out of character, but also great. Yeah. It's what do you feel really about the CGI that he's able to conjure? Oh my god, I think our whole, we could talk for an hour about these chains. Maybe not, it would just be back and forth. Like, they look so weird and so bad and so 90s and so yeah. delightful all at the same time. It's this, like, the the only way I know to describe this vibe is, like, cereals and snack commercial from the year mm. 1996 is, like, how I would describe the look of these chains. They're, like, very graphic, they're moving yeah. around a lot. <laughs> They're clearly superimposed onto the shot. And someone thought this was the height of technology. I My favorite part is that when, when Tommy has those on, like, he cannot move at all. Like, <laughs> well, the editor said, if you want to pull this off, he needs to stand <laughs> super still. I, it's so funny. It's like I have petrified. three minutes to edit this episode. Yeah. <laughs> I bet he does. But it's so good. It's wild to me to see like VFX and post on a show that had this budget at all. Yeah. Well, I guess we're getting kind of late into their 40 episode like pre-filming or whatever, if that's how we want to think about it. So like maybe they saved money for this. Yeah, they must have or they like were doing the numbers and like we could pull this off. Yeah. I mean, they still haven't premiered. So so they don't know that the show is a hit yet. But yeah. it, it is certainly like it, it's strange to see. And then. We, we go from this into the command center and like a very silly commercial out where they're like, the dragon sword is attacking. Oh no, Tommy's evil again. And then we come back from commercial and Zordon's very quickly like, nah, that's not Tommy. But Zach is so ready to fight Tommy. <laughs> <laughs> he is. He's always ready to fight Tommy though, to be fair. Like there must be like some animosity there. Truly, I think this is the motivation for that storyline from the comics. Because oh it truly God. is like, he's like, Tommy's evil again. Whoop, I guess we got to fight him. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh no, let's go. It's very funny to me. 
<laughs> he's just ready to go, you know? It's looking for the two of them just spoke in unison to taunt Bulk and Skull and did a poem together, but he is he maybe he's embarrassed by that. Maybe he needs to destroy all the witnesses to that moment. It's barely a poem. But anyways, one thing, a technical thing that I noticed this episode that maybe I don't know. I don't know what it was. But did you notice that Billy's voiceover was like a little a lot this episode? You know, I didn't notice, but that doesn't mean it wasn't happening. I was maybe okay. distracted by other things like his or the ADR stuff. Yeah, like it was just like Ugh! it was like very um nasally and not mm. the normal. But then like in the next part, it was totally fine. But, you know, I just thought that was weird. And I wanted to know if you clocked it. It feels weird. I did feel like. I noticed in this episode how little I feel like Billy has said actually anything in the Mm -hmm. past several episodes of our show and therefore the several episodes of this show. And same with Trini a little bit. It feels like we've been really in the Tommy, Kimberly, Jason realm. And then like Zach often taps in with those characters. I feel like we went from Billy and Trini all the time in the first half of this season of the show and to like... I almost never see them. And so I was like, when Billy started talking a lot, I was like, oh yeah, Billy. Like, here's Billy. (laughs) Yeah, I did notice that too. Like, well, and I think that's probably why the voiceover stuff stood out to me. It's like Billy himself not really having like a character moment or a storyline in this first episode at all and hasn't really had a storyline for the last few episodes. But then like his voiceover to me, I don't know if they were using like a different recording or something. It just like really stood out. And I was just like, what is the deal? So I don't know. Let us know if you noticed that in whatever, way you want to interact with us but then it's weird too what you're saying about billy used to be like an equal partner in the show and like very recently it's just not been yeah he feels very out of the world like and and we do get a classic in this two-parter jumping ahead a little bit but we're talking about it billy makes weird tech moment Mm -hmm. which i feel like these moments happen like all the time like we were just constantly in weird inventor billy and i feel like the show was really in love with the idea of this like teenage genius and has just like abandoned him and then trini doesn't even get that moment in this episode because i was thinking about billy i was thinking about how much we used to spend time with trini and that all she really does is tell people like relax or oh no (laughs) and it's i miss i miss her well also she weirdly like a lot of her storyline has been translating for billy like not her storyline but like her you know per episode kind of talking is usually she's the one translating billy's like nerd speak and like because billy isn't having that she's not having that you know yeah yeah we're really losing them i i'm kind of excited for a little time without tommy to maybe get them back you can tell that like even though the show hadn't premiered they seem to know that like the Green Ranger is cool and want to lean heavily on him or just ended up doing a lot with Tommy because they had to do all this work to account for Barai not being in the story. But but yeah, it's definitely a gap with these two characters. I also think they probably leaned on Tommy scenes a lot because Jason David Frank probably made it easy to shoot those scenes with the fighting and everything, you know? And his karate is fun. It's definitely fun to watch. Yeah. So fight starts. We remember from Zhu Ranger that when the the fight started with Cyclops and the fake Dragon Zord and all that stuff, or Dragon Caesar in that case, like when the team went out, Gryphosar was there to meet them to sort of keep them from instantly hopping in the Guardian Beasts. In this episode, the accounting for that is awkward as hell. 
Yeah, it, it's not good. You can really see the seams, I guess is the best way to say it. I think that's exactly it. Like this last, I think it's like seven minutes of the episode start to feel really murky. Goldar's here, Goldar's there. Because Goldar's there, Tommy can get the sword and it's like, okay, that's convenient. The team, even when they're fighting Goldar, like there's like a minute of them being like, oh, the dragon sword's destruction is really bad. No one's like actively fighting them, but they're not also like not quite calling the dinosaurs. There's no shift in that scene that allows them to call the dinosaurs. It all just starts to feel very like, what's happening? <laughs> and and so much of it is that we've now gone into Zoo Ranger footage land and they're just not, they're not doing any massaging in ADR to account for it. They're just like, here's the footage, enjoy. Yes. <laughs> it starts to feel really awkward, but Tommy knows how to operate Goldar's teleporting sword. He comes out. I do like this moment of the episode where he's trying to summon the dragon sword and like can't at first. I thought that was really interesting. Yeah, it it's a really good it's a really good dramatization of like what is happening cuz we get the sense like by the end of this, we get the sense that Tommy is feeling like really weird losing his powers. And I think yes. the way that that lands is like throughout the episode like we're seeing Tommy have these kind of issues with morphing and using his powers and stuff. Yeah, and it all clicks in. They they win the fight. We're back. We learn about the magic wax. Like, I don't want to luxuriate in this, but like this explanation is stupid and yes. doesn't make any sense. And Correct. what are, what what are we gonna do? What are we gonna do? It's, <laughs> it's just really I hate shows do this. Not even like Power Rangers. Like Power Rangers, as we know, has like a uniquely sparse narrative think tank behind it. Let's say. <laughs> they they have their pieces that they cut together from the Japanese footage and then they move on with whatever even shows that have like full staff rooms that are just like let's think of stories I hate when they do this where they say something happened off screen that you don't see and you couldn't have possibly seen but there's no way to disprove that it happened because it's so out there that's like magic wax that Rita may or may not have had Tommy touch at one point I don't get it. Right. And on top of all of that, like this explanation actually just creates another problem, which is like, okay, if she's had this, why did she wait? Whereas if Zordon just said like, Rita must have been working on this spell the whole time to try to steal your powers, I would have been like, okay, I'm good. I don't need to know how she can do this spell. She gave him the Green Ranger powers in the first place. Like I'm on board. It, It really, it felt like... And not the first time Power Rangers has gotten into this, an explanation that actually made things more confusing and worse. Yeah, she could have just been like, finally, I can work this spell because of the way the planets are aligned. I don't know, something like that. And now she can use this candle to do this. That would work. But instead, we have this weird thing. They never know in the show when to just smooth on and rush past it and when to stop and explain something. It, it, they almost always make the opposite choice in the opposite moment. Yeah. But we're in a green candle part two. And hey, Billy does stuff in this one and he makes a really silly machine. <laughs> He really does. But before we do that, though, there is a lot of acting at the beginning of this episode that I wanted to highlight. Where uh-huh, they're basically yeah. just like feeling things in the command center. Like, oh, my God, you're going to lose your powers. Oh, no, I don't like that. And it's just really interesting because I don't think we've had that kind of a moment. Yeah, yet. probably not since Green with Evil. You're right. It's a good moment. Jason, especially. I feel like Jason David Frank kind of sings in these moments where it is like Jason being the stalwart leader in the face of emotional stuff. I think we get some good Kimberly energy. I like the little exchange with Tommy being like, I have to save myself. And Jason being like, sit the fuck down, buddy. Yeah. He didn't say that. But like, <laughs> well, like, don't be so proud. We'll help you. Yeah. 
it's nice. Everybody's like feeling things about it and they get to voice that. It's a good moment. And then we pull out the weird shit that Billy made. The weird shit that Billy makes because Alpha has something, the energy of the teleportation to the dark dimension. So Billy can make a really weird device that's for some reason that is not clear to me requires all four of the non-Tommy, non-Jason Rangers. Jason's going to go through. Tommy has to stay behind. All four of the others have to help this device work. It's never clear yeah. why that's the case. Yeah. And it becomes a huge problem later. Right. And I, I'm not even clear, like, what these things, are, like, are supposed to be in any way. It's just weird. It's kind of insane. They look really silly. They also look weirdly complicated for him to have seemingly built quite quickly, to be honest. Right. Yeah, I agree. I don't understand because it's, like, a lot of Billy's inventions, like, you can at least see the shape of them. It's a lot of, like, I don't know, George Lucas had this philosophy, like, it has to look like it works like that, you know? You make a thing and it has to look like, sure, if you squint your eyes, that'll work. Like, in most of Billy's inventions follow that kind of principle. This does not. This is just, like, two random things. You're absolutely right. And it feels really, like, plotty, too, because, like, we know the command center is teleportation technology. We know, like, all this stuff that just makes this feel very, like, well, this is what we have to do to motivate the rest of the stuff. But it's not clear why it has to be that way. So in high drama moments later in the episode, you're like, what? Yeah. But before we get to high drama, we get to truly my favorite moment in this two-parter, which is they are setting them up in the park. And we cut to Bulk and Skull who seem to just be, like, playing monkeys. Yeah. <laughs> They're, like, moving through the grass and making monkey noises. There's mm-hmm. no explanation, and it's just beautiful to me. <laughs> They're just having a good afternoon, you know? They can't be bothered by the giant zord that may or may not be attacking the town. Whatever. Not their problem. And this yeah. is their park. I Anytime we have seen Bulk and Skull, just the two of them doing something before a scene start, it's been beautiful to me. I'm remembering Sloppy Joe Pizza. Like, mm, yeah. I'm remembering when they were trying on Halloween costumes. They just have the most beautiful, lovely friendship to me. They always just have a great time together. But let's go back here. So this is their park. And that's like their, quote unquote, their park. And that's their whole thing. Like, they're going to go and try to get the the ranger team to leave. They're like, this is our private park. I think this is, like, the first time that Bulk and Skull have actually done anything that could even remotely be considered bullying. It's true. They they are sort of bothering them. I kind of wish the scene had a different energy just because, like, whenever Bulk and Skull do start being bullies, it feels out of character to me. And I kind of wish the scene was just them being, like, goofy. Yeah. Like, what are you guys doing, you nerds? Like, what is yeah. this? We just want to know what's going on. And the Power Rangers having to be like, uh... Yeah. That almost would have been a fun energy. Instead, it is like, get out of our land, bitch. No one says yeah. bitch. I'm going to lunge at you. I'm going to move. <laughs> I'm going to roll down a hill. I also like that this the scene sort of like, they roll down the hill. Skull's like, if Bulk's rolling down a hill, I'm chasing after him. <laughs> but like, they just leave. They don't like turn around to look. The Rangers don't really seem concerned that they're going to no. come back. <laughs> They're like, well, that's done. It is like perfect Balkan Skull energy to me where it's like, they actually, it actually feels relevant to the plot. It actually feels like it's having an effect, but like we dispense with it pretty quickly and move on with things and they're just able to sort of be fun. I, I like that aspect of Balkan Skull. Yeah. Yeah. It's just interesting to me that they like didn't play up the like, well, wait, what are you guys doing thing? Like, that's what I would have done with them. Cause then that would require the Rangers to kind of like lie a little bit, but the Rangers can't lie ever. They have to be good. Yeah. So then, okay. We get into the, like, Rita's plan pops off. Cyclops is attacking. Tommy's like, I'm the only one who can go fight them. Once again, it is not clear to me why any of the other rangers can't go support. Jason goes through the portal unmorphed. 
Why? Yeah, I don't get that. And then he like tries to morph or did he not get I don't know. It's I don't weird. even remember him trying to morph. Maybe he no. does and I missed it. But like he just like he's trying to fight Goldar. He can't do it. And at no point does he like let me level up real quick. Yeah, well, and it's weird, too, because, like, the way that they come into the dimension, there's, like, this shot where they're just kind of, like, strolling in, and then they, like, look around and get their bearings, and it's, like, that's when you should be morphing, like, in your little stroll. Yeah. You know, once Yeah, you I realize. think you should morph before you go. It's, it's yeah, absolutely, all of yeah. it. And then, like, so Tommy's getting wrecked, and this this was the moment that, like, the teleportation device really got me. Like, Dragon Sword, not enough to take on this thing. If only there was, like, some formation that involved some but not everyone. So, like, <laughs> someone could wait behind at the park to help Jason, who's also not in that formation. And then, yeah. like, the other, I don't know, say Billy, Trini, and Zack could come <laughs> and form, like, some kind of combination with the Dragon Sword. Wouldn't that have been convenient? John... You're too smart for this. It's just like, even like, I know. there's no, there's no even like Trini or someone being like, do we all need to be here? It's instantly like, well, either one of us has to go get, we have to go get Jason. We all have to leave or we all stay. And it just was like, why? Well, I think the thing, and it's weird because they sometimes over explain and then they don't explain enough, obviously. But this apparatus that Billy has like designed, it doesn't stand up on its own. And right. so they need two people to hold it in place. And then apparently it has to be turned on at the same time. But like, they don't explain that really. There could have been exclamation. This could, this is a place where it's like, this is the whole stakes of the episode that we can't, we have to leave this effort to get this green candle back to go to support Tommy. But it's not clear right. why all of them have to do that. Right. And it, I think the only reason why I think that that's like literally their answer is like this very complicated apparatus. Like that's why it's so weird looking is to occupy all of them and answer that question. But since it's not literally spelled out for us, mm-hmm. it just seems dumb, you know? Yeah. Just... And your point earlier about having it look like it's supposed to work and we can like look at it even if it's silly and like understand maybe how it's working. Like we don't, we can't even do that. So right. Cause it's yeah. so weird looking. It's just like you don't even explain like why they're all here and why they all have to be here for this weird device that doesn't make any sense. I don't know. It's like the details like this that make the episodes just like nonsensical. Yeah, that's just like, okay, why? But Zach goes in, Goldard lets them have a whole conversation about leaving. Again, perfect murder opportunity. What do I know? I'm not an evil general. (laughs) Goldard doesn't play that way. They leave, they go to the fight. All of this is like, blah, 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 blah. Tommy does at one point go, you can't take my power. I'm the Green Ranger. And it's like, baby, she's taking it. Like, what are you talking about? It's happening. (laughs) She also gave it to you. Like, yeah. Which we never really, okay, this would be a great time for Zordon to say, like, well, yeah, Rita made this power coin, and so, like, because of that, she has this power over it, blah, blah, blah. Like, we could have got that explanation then, but we're not. We're just never going to really understand what's going on. It's not coming, but Ultra Zord disappearing Tommy from a cockpit, but whatever, who cares? (laughs) Fight ends. We go back to the command center, and this is where I developed... A conspiracy theory I'd like to share with you now. Okay, I'm ready. What if this green candle stuff was never going to work and Zordon knew this and he was just going along with it, hoping that he could get Tommy to give up his power coin because he was <laughs> sick of his bullshit? He's like, he's never wearing his morpher. He's, he's never wearing his communicator. We have to get rid of this kid somehow. <laughs> yeah, like, and or, or at the end, it was like the green candle thing 
was sort of happening maybe when he's like well, we could fix it or like uh you have to give up your power coin oops oopsie sorry tommy uh and alpha's like but zordon and zordon's like shut up <laughs> like the whole episode is really just zordon and alpha going over like hr policies for rangers they're like well could we fire him this way like, we, we, we have to convince him to quit mm. <laughs> it's like otherwise it might get dicey Rita thinks she can do this candle thing. We already took safeguards against that because that was a thing that Zordon has known about the whole time because he's so easily able to explain it. So we already did like prevent that from being a thing. But what if we just like make them think it's working so that he gives up his power coin? That's my new theory of what's happening in these two episodes. I love it so much. I love it. I think that's it. I think you're really on to something, you know? I think that 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 has to be it. Yeah, and then he gives his power coin to Jason. He doesn't, there's no like discussion about who he should potentially give it to but it is so funny to me that like tommy's close with kimberly with zach with jason he's closest with kimberly yeah that's why it worked so well in the shattered grid story that kimberly took on juzokin when he was killed but like he just is quickly like well obviously i'm gonna give it to jason and then passes along his horrible foam american shield god so bad it was very funny when it showed up on Jason. I was like, ah, yes, now Jason gets his own bad shield. It is so bad. And and I also felt like that whole sequence where they're all morphed while they're trying to like emote. I was like, why? Yeah. <laughs> I remembering our conversation in last episode where you were like, I was worried for a second that Barai was going to die morphed and that was going to kill the scene. But it was just for a second. Power Rangers went the other way. They're like, for this emotional catharsis, all morphed, all morphed. None of them could move in their suits. <laughs> None of them can really have, like, an expression on their faces while Tommy is losing his powers. Yeah, it's funny and it's silly and, like, scene happens. And then we, like, pop to this park scene, which is delightful to me for a number of reasons. Number one is that Kimberly is wearing this, like, incredibly loud checkered dress that is Mm. just, like, a lot of look. Yeah, she's going there to make a statement. And and I mean, she makes it. The yeah. other thing I like is that she walks up to him and she goes, the guy said you might be here. And Tommy goes, I like practicing outside sometimes, <laughs> which is just an artful line to me. But my favorite thing about this scene is that like they're talking like they haven't seen each other in weeks. Yes, I wrote down in my notes, how much time has passed? <laughs> but then Tommy is still able to ask her to the dance on Saturday, which is where we started these things. So... It must be, like, at most a day? I don't know. Because she's like, how have you been holding up? And, like, I don't know. It's just weird. God. And then there's a lot of, like, tonal mismatch here. Because then there's that scene, like, at one point she's like, I miss you. And then he's like, well, I miss you too. And she's like, no, I miss you. And I'm like, what am I, a five-year-old, supposed to take from this scene? Like, this is weird. (laughs) miss him from when five minutes ago also what does that mean and tommy understands what it means goes for the kiss green light i love children's television kisses because they're always so like chase and it makes me laugh every time i wasn't a big fan of the kiss i was like well this is dumb it's not great he's like i've been wanting to do that for a long time i'm like shut up It's like, wow, okay, you really did something there, I guess. But I don't know. Power Rangers feels like a show. Like, I know that Kimberly and Tommy date in the show. Like, I know that's a thing. And Kimberly ultimately, spoilers, writes a Dear John Leonard to to Tommy to break up. But anyway. To go be an Olympian. Yeah, because you can do that in your late teens with no training, really. Anyway. We've seen her have a balance beam four times. Yeah, I know. But like, 
all right, fine. But so <laughs> it just seems like totally inappropriate to like have them have like this kind of teen romance ish sort of thing. Like they're they're fitting a, a square peg into a round hole kind of yeah. thing. And Kimberly never acts like herself in these scenes to me. Like Kimberly is brassy and she's bold and like very feminine, but like really capable. And yeah. Anytime she is playing Tommy's love interest, it was the case in the episode where she got trapped in the gourd. It was the case in part one of this when they were having that putty fight and she was mostly just be like, Tommy. And it's the case in this scene. She just doesn't feel like herself. Yeah, it, it really feels like they're just like checking a box for this. And like my like TV writer brain goes like, Kimberly is the regular, Tommy is the guest star. Like this romance should be her story, not his. And it's always framed as his story, of course, because of like 90s misogyny. But like, right. it just, it, 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 it adds to that feeling of like, what show is this? Yeah, it just doesn't really make a lot of sense to me. Also, what what are you supposed to do with that? So, like, are they dating now? Is Tommy going to be in other episodes? Like, what's happening? My understanding, and I don't remember, and it's theory time as we try to, like, work our memories and remember. I know right. that we have, like, six more episodes, something like that, before five more episodes. This was 35. We have five more episodes before the end of their initial 40 episode run before we start Jutu stuff. So there were there were five more episodes to do. I know that Tommy's contract from when we did our deep dive was supposed to end. So I am assuming Tommy is not in those episodes at all. Will he be mentioned? Who knows? This is why I don't like dating in children's shows. Because it's like, it's not like a real story. It's just like this thing that like characters are supposed to do. Yeah, it, there's never any there there. I know he comes back yeah. in Jutu. It'll be interesting to see what that energy is like. We'll cover it soon enough. But yeah. this all does feel really weird, especially knowing what I think you're getting at, which is like, I think Tommy is about to like disappear from the show for several episodes. Yes, And so for a while. this even feels even more outside of the world of the show. Like, it would be fun if, you know, Tommy's, like, around and he's like, oh, I know what they're doing. And, like, maybe he has to, like, cover for them sometimes. Like, that would be cool. Like, that's how I would do it if I was writing the show. He would still be on the show because obviously he's really popular. But, you yeah. know. Billy takes on that role in Power Ranger Zeo where he, he is no longer a ranger, but he's sort of, like, a tech support, but also helping them out. And it works right. until they decide that they're sick of doing stories with him. Yeah. Well, we'll see what happens. It will be interesting. Yeah. Definitely will be interesting. So before we take our break, since we are done with our discussion part of the episode, let's go ahead and cover this now. Who was your favorite ranger in these two-parter? Favorite? Jason. Yeah, yeah. Jason is leading the team with great aplomb. He's obviously the smartest out of the group, aside from Billy. Yeah. (laughs) You're like, what? No, you're not wrong. I just like my brain shorted out because I was hoping you would say Tommy for some reason, even though Tommy sucks. Uh, I was going to say Jason. No, so I don't I'm think. Like, I don't know who else is good. Zach dance flirts. Like Tommy was fine. and But he was also annoying. Also, Kimberly's a great choice. Is it? She's not acting like herself in these episodes. I. It Mine's also Jason. I refuse to pick another answer. Fair enough. I mean, we don't have to pick different ones. We're good. I for I always feel obligated. Anyway, let's take a break and let's talk about color, shall we? All right, sounds good. Okay, so there are lots of colors of the Power Rangers rainbow. And so we're many. here to tell you what you can expect from those colors. 
we're going to cover red, blue, yellow, black, green, pink, white, and then sort of like we'll do an other special color category as well. Yeah. So how do you want to start this? Let's start with red because I feel like it's the easiest. Okay. What are the personality traits you associate with a red ranger? So I went through and I just did like three like broad strokes for each. Great. So red to me, they are either they're like leaders, which means that they are, you know, they're just like they're that person. They're a cardboard cutout of a leader. Alternatively, though, sometimes they're mavericks. Sometimes they're like people that you wouldn't want to put in a position of power because you don't trust them for reasons. But then they prove you wrong. Classic Red Ranger archetype. And then one thing that's always true is that they only ever make good decisions. I don't think there's a Red Ranger who makes a bad decision ever. Yeah, or it's like the bad decision becomes a good decision. That's so true. The like word that came yeah. to my mind when I was doing my association, first of all, was self-righteous. Like yeah. the Red Ranger is always incredibly self-righteous. And sometimes we are on their side, so the self-righteousness works. And other times it is like, this is the Maverick who's always making bad choices that somehow are the good choice. Or this yeah. is like... He's having to prove himself. There's like this big sense of like self-righteous hoodness. And like, this is also the color that feels the most male to me. Like the most patriarchal, Mm -hmm. the most in control. We've only seen one female Red Ranger ever, briefly in Samurai. We talked about her in the comic and she's the best. There should be more female Red Rangers. But it it does feel very like self-righteous is the overall word I would pick for Red. Yeah, there's a lot of confidence there. Most of the time it's not, weirdly, I don't think it's overconfidence most of the time, unless they're being a maverick, but even then it's like, they're just arrogant. They are often the strongest one. Yes, that is definitely true. So a lot of times they're like really well prepared for this. Like it just seems like a natural thing for them to be the Red Ranger. It only ever takes a couple episodes for them to click into being like, the capable leader of this team if there is an episode of i don't know if i should be leading this group yeah or that's like a plot point where they have like an episode where they're like why isn't this working anymore maybe i should leave the team and that's like a whole thing but yeah yeah classic classic where should we go next how about blue sounds good what i think is interesting about blue is i actually think that billy is a really atypical blue ranger really i do what i think really Okay. The thing about blue is that blue, I feel like, is actually one of the most mutable because it depends mm-hmm. on a couple factors. First of all, there are boy blues and girl blues, and I feel like that's a very different archetype. And second of all, I feel like blue ends up feeling really different if it's a green ranger or if it's a black ranger. What do you mean that? Like, what do you mean? If the other, if, if in the five, the core five, uh, assuming it's a group of five, mm-hmm. there's a black ranger, blue tends to take one character, which I think Billy does kind of fit that one. And then if there's a green ranger, blue, I feel like takes a very different character. I see what you're saying. I see. Yeah. So that kind of aligns with what I have written here. So like, I generally see Blue as nerds. Are they nerds like Billy? No, they might be comic book nerds. They might just be slightly not as cool, basically. And sometimes they're martial arts nerds. (laughs) Yeah, sometimes it's that. Or they are second place Red Rangers, which I think is the most fun, which is like they should have been a Red Ranger, but the Red Ranger existed, so they're not. And often in that setup, it's like the, they're the like rule follower. It's it's that kind of nerd where like they tend to feel very intensely about whatever the thing is that they're passionate about. I think what mm-hmm. the green black ends up doing is that like when it's a green ranger, the blue ranger tends to be sort of serious and yes. focused in a serious way. And when it's a black ranger, the blue ranger tends to be focused in that like goofy nerdy way. The more right. comic book nerd, Billy fills this role um, as opposed to like, I think SPD blue is a really good example of yes. the 
paired with green, very serious, buttoned up, takes this all so seriously. Right. And so, and I think also, I believe In Space has this kind of vibe because the In Space Blue Ranger was the Red Ranger for Turbo, I believe. So it's kind of like a demotion, but not really a demotion. Okay, you're still a Power Ranger. Move on. Yeah, yeah. And and that is also a classic green to black or black to green switch between seasons, yeah. which never quite makes sense. Yeah. Should, we should tap into the girl Blue Rangers, I feel like, are almost a completely different archetype. I do have like this third category, which is like Blue Rangers are often flavor text, which could be girl, kid or alien. Um, yeah. But yeah, we could we could flesh that out more for sure. I feel like girl Blue Rangers are often like very femme, very like soft, especially compared to like... Often if there's a girl blue and a pink, the girl blue ends up being the softer energy character. Hmm. Yeah, I I think probably most strongly I'm thinking of Ninja Storm Blue Ranger, which is like, she's like a tomboy. She like surfs. She's a tomboy, but she's very femme still. She's like... Yeah, that's true. She's water. She's flowy. She's Mm -hmm. like... Like Mm -hmm. she is like capable and strong, but she's still very like, I don't know. There's a flutiness to girl blue rangers i love a girl blue ranger by the way yeah no they're fun it's it's such a rare treat honestly but you're definitely right about the like if someone's going to be a sort of special something that does often seem to get spiced onto the blue whether that's a kid or an unexpected female or yeah that kind of thing. where should we go next black or yellow how do we feel what do we feel i feel like we should discuss black sort of as a pair with green because like mm. the classic power ranger team structure is red, yellow, blue, pink, and then a black or a green. And mm-hmm. I think there's there's a lot that comes down to like whether it's black or green. But like, let's start black. A black picture. Okay. Black, a lot of times, is very stoic. Like, I think Goshi is like a very like prototypical black ranger. I agree. I agree. I think black rangers are often very capable. Yes. Yeah. They're, they, I feel like they're like kind of these strong, silent giants. They do a lot of, I've written, I have written down emotional labor. <laughs> yes but there's there's one other black ranger archetype which is the bad boy i think mm-hmm. it actually happens more in sentai than it happens with the black rangers in power rangers although it does pop up there i think power rangers black rangers tend to be very that that sort of stoic gentle giant in a lot of ways and you get you get a lot more of the rebel from sentai yeah i also have written down here gay and i don't want to elaborate further on that <laughs> I don't think you should. I think one of the greatest ways to look at the difference between green and black rangers is Power Rangers Dino Charge because there happens to be a green and a black ranger in that season. And the black ranger in that season is sort of the like sneaky bad boy who does read very gay i you really unlocked something in my brain just now by saying that no it's true because uh, so like i also went through and i just looked at pictures of of all the power ranger casts because i just was like refreshing my mind on all the teams and i was like you know the black rangers sometimes are kind of gay it's not like gay in the way that we think of it it's just i don't know they're just gay it just is yep yep i agree okay so then let's talk Green Ranger, the other right. person who sometimes takes this role. What do, what do we think? And, and Tommy Green Ranger is more sort of in that Six Ranger other category. So I think it's right. like a bad example of the overall Green Ranger aesthetic. Right. I think you're f- like the first like normal Green Ranger would be like a Zeo or a Turbo Green Ranger, yes. I believe. Yeah. And to me, the Green Ranger is a goofball. Yeah. I have written down weird. They're generally weird or kind of left of center. It's like, okay. Or they're aliens. And that's like quite literal. Time Force Green is like a classic, iconic Green Ranger to me. I'm also a big fan of the Sentai Gokaiger Green Ranger, who's like 
is the team nerd, but is like incredibly silly about it. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking also like SPD, the Green Ranger is kind of a nerd. Like he's still a cop, but he's a yeah. nerd. Just like a weirdo too. Yeah. I love a good Green Ranger. I often have a lot of fun with them. They are never that serious. Like they're never a serious ranger to me. Definitely agree. So then let's talk yellow. I think yellow is another one where we have to do a gender divide to talk about it appropriately. Fair enough. I feel like most yellow boy rangers are himbos. Yes, yes, absolutely. Like, and and that to me is the gender divide is boy yellows are like dumb and girl yellows are always smart. (laughs) yes like the girl yellows i have like they're like alt girls or they're cool girls like they've got it together but then the yellow boys are himbos like that's that yeah and i i also love a boy yellow ranger i often want to like give them little hugs they're himbos and like especially the pure like able to kind of stupidly say an emotional thing that everyone needs Mm -hmm. to hear um i think ninja storm yellow does that a lot i think yeah i'm i'm just a big boy yellow ranger fan because i think the team's benefit from that energy for sure i definitely i'm also a big girl yellow ranger fan though some of my all-time favorites are girl yellow rangers i obviously love trini but the wild force yellow ranger i think is a really cool ranger yeah i really like dino thunder yellow i like rpm yellow a lot like very capable you know definitely very powerful rangers yeah, yeah. And and I think in a way, a, a girl yellow ranger is like powerful in a sort of more classically masculine way, which I think segues into mm-hmm. what I think is a pink ranger is someone who is like very powerfully feminine. Yes, unless it's ironic. And there's a couple cases where that is the case where it's like the pink ranger. Yeah. It's like, oh, why am I the pink ranger? But then they just like live with it. Especially in the aughts, I feel like they were really obsessed with the, like, I'm pink. Yeah. Yes, very much so. Like, that's feminism. A girl hating the color pink. Most pink rangers, I think, kind of embrace it and are like, yeah, I'm a woman. I wear pink. I'm strong. And, like, I'm going to shoot you with my bow and arrow or my big gun. Right. I think a lot of times, too, though, like, the pink ranger is just a reskinned red ranger. Mm, Say more about that. Like, I'm thinking specifically, like, Time Force Pink. She's the leader of the team until they find the Red Ranger. And she's just, like, the most responsible. And, like, she could... And even Kimberly sometimes, like, in different moments, like, they they could be the leader of the team. It's just that they're not because they're the Pink Ranger. But it's, like, the team mom thing. Like, that's the, like, powerful mm. feminine. The Empress card of the of the tarot. Like, the... the um. <laughs> They're, they're, they lead in a different way than Red Rangers when they do step into the leadership role, which I always like to see. Yeah. Jen Scott is, of course, one of the most iconic Power Rangers ever. Ever. Anyway. We love her. She's the best. I think that leaves us with white. Yes, white and then also other. And other, yes. So white rangers are interesting because they pop up, like, not infrequently. Sometimes as a six ranger and sometimes as instead of a pink ranger, we get a white ranger. Right. Which I think that's the latter doesn't happen as often, though. No, no. It happened in Jetman just before G-Ranger. It happens in Wild Force. And those tend to be just like girly, girly, girly girls. Yeah. But yeah. When we get a White Ranger as like an additional Ranger, there tends to be this real like holiness. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, they have like, yeah, they're mysterious, I think, a lot of the time. They have some like a depth to them that is different than like 
together rangers. Yeah, yeah. I think of some of the like best Final Fantasy white mage characters. There's like a like otherworldliness to the energy, but also one that feels very purely like capital G good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I also have written down that sometimes they're magical adults. Yeah, we do see quite a few magical adult white rangers. Of course, Mystic Forces White Ranger is the obvious one that jumps out. But yeah, that is a that is a bit of an archetype. White Rangers are fun. I think the that often they do cool designs with the suits when they do White Rangers. And then of course Tommy's White Ranger is, I think, so responsible for that archetype because Tommy as a Green Ranger is a himbo. Tommy as a White Ranger is powerful and good all the time. He's like a white knight, literally. Which brings us into like kind of our other ranger though category because a lot of times they are you know irrespective of color they are white knights (laughs) yeah yeah i think there's a few interesting archetypes of the other the sixth ranger the other ranger and one of them is that like very powerful strong regal knight energy for sure Mm -hmm. one of the other ones i always kind of like is like an in over their head weirdo i think in space Mm. had a really good six ranger in this category i think that donkey kruger is sort of the spd six ranger but there's like another the like titanium i think spd ranger who has this kind of like strangeness like youthfulness but extreme power gokai silver is definitely this character right i I think too like i believe rpm has like a couple different other rangers in their their season yeah and they're just like these kind of chaos entities that show up just in the nick of time a lot of the time yeah and very fun yeah rpm good season it is a good one. it's fun it's a weird one it was one of those ones where i was like i can't believe this is happening but it's happening they tried stuff in that season <laughs> yeah i think too a lot of the times the six ranger has like this kind of a tragic backstory mm, yeah that's that's definitely yeah something horrible happened to them sometimes I remember in Lost Galaxy, they literally died and then got back, brought back to life. But although I don't, I think it was like they almost died and got brought back to life. Well, that's something I have too, is like a man out of time. Sometimes they'll pull like somebody yeah. out of a different time, a different era and be like, that's your six ranger. It's just really interesting. They do a lot of weird stuff with the six ranger. Yeah. I love the swing, but that person often has this like strangeness to them that doesn't quite click in with the other team. I think Tommy in both of his six ranger forms and my power rangers is like very much the exception in that way mm-hmm. of the six ranger rule where they always don't quite gel in. Like it's often not like the six ranger is just one of the guys. And I think that's good. Yeah. Well, because yeah. oftentimes six rangers are more powerful. They may not be like more powerful than the rest of them, but they're like more powerful than most of the rangers on the team. And so mm-hmm. it's kind of nice to have that distance. Yes, I agree. Well, that I think was informative and instructive and 100% absolutely correct. Yeah. So go forward and write your Power Ranger fan fiction using these parameters set forth. Yeah, I think one thing, there was recently Renegade Game Studios, who does the Power Rangers board game, released this Power Rangers role-playing game, and the classes are based on colors. And I remember there were some fans that were kind of annoyed because, like, the explanation for those colors and their skills is so based in Mighty Morphin, which is often the exception, not the rule. And I thought that was really interesting, especially, like, Blue Rangers. Like, when you put in context, like, these are people who are very nerdy and feel very passionate about whatever their passionate thing, which may or may not be, like, a nerdy passion. I think that's true. But, like the blue archetype in the Power Rangers role-playing game is like the tech guy. And I don't think the blue ranger is actually very often the tech guy at all. Yeah, no, I don't think, I think that more often than not is the green ranger, honestly. Yep. 
Yeah. yeah. So it's, it's interesting to like see them do that archetype. But anyway, tweet us your favorite exceptions to the rules. We love to hear the people who don't quite fit neatly in their color or, or bring a different energy to it. And we'll tell you why actually you're wrong and we're right. That person fits exactly what we said. Let's get into a Twitter argument. While we still can. <laughs> Let's just get in a Twitter argument while it's still around and have fun. Yeah, it'll be fun. But that is going to do it for our discussion today. I'm glad we took the time to do that. It was really fun. Next week, we are back to our two and two for actually, this is our last two and two with Jew Ranger and Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, which is kind of weird to think about. <gasps> That's but weird. But we'll be talking about episode 43 and 44 of Jew Ranger and episodes 36 and 37 of Power Rangers. I believe these are all kind of fillery. We'll see. We'll have fun. Wow. We're getting towards the end. This is crazy. We really are. Like we have three more episodes and then there will be no more Zoo Ranger. Ah, I can't handle that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I really hope Zoo 2 is fun uh, because we're going to be in there for a little bit, but it's going to be okay. Until then, (laughs) follow us on social media, Twitter, Tumblr, Instagram. You can rate and review the show. We love your feedback. You can also send any sort of more detailed questions or comments to our email, teachmesentai at gmail.com. Thank you. One of our lovely listeners commented on our Twitter and let us know about the Princess May 7 Metamorphoses episode that actually... That's a Sentai trope I didn't know about is is the sort of dress up episode. So cool to know that that was a thing. But also I think cool. One of the things I love about this show is sort of discovering Sentai as opposed to having having all the facts. And and I I always love when you guys share things with us we don't know too. So thank you for that. And you can always get at us there. Yeah, that was really cool. And also, since we are getting towards the end, let us know what you would maybe want us to go dive into next in terms of Power Rangers and Sentai. Yeah, I uh, to give some vague options, which yeah. again, we're not bound to anything. There we could keep going Die Ranger Mighty Morphin Power Ranger season 2. We could jump to maybe a more like classic but deeper in the run season. That would probably off the top of my head be Time Force Time Ranger, but doesn't have to be. Something sort of in that era. Or if you want to see us do something more modern, we could always jump really far ahead. So just like let us know what you'd like to see. Would you like to see us instead of doing a head to head go back or do a Sentai season that was never going to get adapted for a little bit. There's lots of options. Tell us what you'd like to see. Yeah. And then also there's Cosmic Fury coming up or whatever. We could start doing that like kind of in real time. This could become a reaction series. I don't know. Yeah. Tell us what you want to see. We're happy to hear your perspective and try to meet it. Yeah. Let us know. But I think that leads us to a question that is going to have a different energy for the rest of the series. Everyone will know exactly what we mean. <laughs> it is. Okay, okay. John, if you're given a more for today, what color ranger would you be? I just like really shit on red rangers and self-righteousness. I do like a lot of red rangers. Anyway, I'd be a red ranger. <laughs> <laughs> I'm wearing red. There's no way around it. Yeah. And I just did say that if you try to tell us one of our opinions on that colors was wrong, I'll tell you why we were right. So maybe yeah. I'm really feeling the fantasy. What about you? What color ranger would you be? Well, you know, I am a pink ranger today. That's it. You know? The other leader of this podcast. <laughs> it's destiny, guys. It's destiny. It's great. It's good right. destiny. This was fun. <laughs> These episodes were fun. I hope you had a good time. And we'll talk to you in two weeks. And until then... May the power protect you. Bye. (laughs) 
Teach Me Sentai is produced and hosted by Natalie Bridgman and John McDonough. Our incredible music is by Christopher Bridgman and our wonderful podcast art is by Yvonne14. You can find their work on Twitter at E-A-V-O-N 14 or on Instagram at Yvonne.14.art. You can support the show by going to patreon.com slash teachmesentai and new episodes come out every other Thursday wherever you get your podcasts.